Hey, Meg. Hey, Em. I have a question for you. I might have an answer. <laughs> have you ever worked really, <laughs> really hard at something and then someone told you it was absolute trash? No. I don't allow that kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and want- everything I do is great, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, that's 100% happened. a lie. <laughs> Actually, you would be correct. Yes, that has happened to me. (laughs) Well, did you know that the Bible actually tells us every now and then that something we do is absolute trash? You lie. Like literally absolute trash. You're absolutely literally lying. Absolutely telling the truth. Prove it. (laughs) All right. This podcast, I will prove it. Okay. Uh, hey listeners, for all of you here, welcome to the Talk Bible to Me podcast, where every Thursday you can expect an exegetical approach to scripture as you're led verse by verse through the Bible. And you can find all episodes of the Talk Bible to Me podcast for free on iTunes, Woo-hoo. Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> this week, join us as we teach you Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Get ready. Because you're about to hear some trash talk today. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I just got the trash talk. Like, that just hit me. (laughs) Is it good? It's great. (laughs) Hey, bold ones, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of the Talk Bible to Me podcast, where we work together through a book of the Bible, verse by verse. This season, we're studying the famous prison epistle, Philippians. Get your Bible, open it up, because we're going to work through Philippians 3, 1 through 11, verse by verse. And if you're new here, welcome. Good to get to hang. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, you can learn all about that at patreon.com forward slash the bold movement. And now, I just want to let you guys know that this podcast is an extension of the bull movement we are a women's ministry who tries to enhance women's biblical knowledge and help them find their role in the kingdom of god which is awesome we all need that yeah (laughs) so this podcast here's how it works we're going to read a section of scripture and then we're going to go through it verse by verse and explain context history maybe even a little bit of greek and uh give you an idea of what it's actually saying and not just what you feel it says. That's exactly right. And today we're going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible, which is often referred to as the NASB. I'm sure people might call it the NASB. I've never heard that. I've always heard the NASB. NASB. It's nasty, that NASB. Nasty NASB. Nasty NASB. But it's like an endearing nasty, not like the trash we're going to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) Told you, you're getting trash talk. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 1. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Okay, do you know where I'm going to go first, Emily? Where you're going first? Yeah, do you know where I'm going to, like, my first note? Can you guess? Even though you can see it. Pretend like you didn't see it. Oh, oh, <laughs> I get it. guess where I'm um, going. I, my spidey senses say you're going to talk about the word finally. I am. <laughs> Was that really like a – did you kind of assume that before you saw my notes? 
I had a feeling. You gotta so, you gotta point it out. <laughs> that's right. There's actually a couple things we're gonna learn about this word. The first thing is remember when we have those um when we have those words that start off that way, he's saying finally, which is you would think, meaning, hey, I'm wrapping it up. And it's funny because people will always be like, oh, okay, the preacher said finally, we got another 45 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? That's that's my husband. That's a running joke at our church. <laughs> finally, I got one more thing. And then he has like 12 more things. <laughs> and, you know, there's something about like when Sunday school happens, it's fine. If you go over, it's totally fine. But, man, when it gets close to noon and that preacher keeps going, you're like, bro, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's literally my husband every week. We got to beat the Baptist to Bob Evans. Come on. <laughs> um, it's funny because, um, as D.A. Carson so very clearly laid it out for us, in fact, our common translations have made this unnecessarily difficult for us. The Greek word used here often served at this late period of Greek as a loose connective part- particle, not particular (laughs) particle (laughs) like how we would say in english so then or Ah. the like you see what i'm saying so it's not really really, finally it's not like like, finally i'm wrapping up it's like because of everything i've said so then and then he's going on into the next part way easier to read it that way well yeah because i mean we're only literally like what halfway through philippians and he's literally finally like oh uh, okay (laughs) so basically paul is continuing this idea of rejoicing and that's where this so then is the continuation the conjunction Mm -hmm. as i like to say um from chapter 2 verses 17 and 18 and i just want to break down that word rejoice with you guys time for some greek is for geeks here's the jingle greek is for no i'm kidding we're not doing it won't put you through the torture no, I won't. But um, the Greek word here is kairete, which actually says two things in addition to rejoice. So the first thing it says is um, it ends in ete, which means it is a <laughs> it means it's a uh, second plural, second person plural. And if you okay. guys aren't grammatically inclined like myself, and you're not looking at a book in front of you, that means hey, all y'all. Oh, y'all. <laughs> so it's like, you guys. Hey, you wins. Or you guys. Or y'all. So I think I hit all the all the territories. <laughs> use, use guys if you're up north. Use guys. That's right. So <laughs> he's saying, all of you guys rejoice. And this is also a verb. And it is a present tense, which means that it is rejoice. And it's an action that can, oh. uh, keeps going. It's not a one-time thing. It's continuously rejoice, Currently, all always. of you guys. All y'all continue rejoicing without an end in sight. <laughs> so. Forever. That's, ex- well, maybe. <laughs> in this context, sure, because rejoicing is a great thing. <laughs> but the present tense is a continuous action. So it's rejoice and continually rejoice. And I yeah. think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. We all need to do that. What do you got to say? So, uh. I wanted to talk about the second half of that because he says to write the same things again is no trouble for me and it's a safeguard for you. Um, he found what he was saying important enough that he wanted to say it more than once. So he's at some point told them about this before um, and he's going to say it all over again, mostly because it's important that they know it because it's a safeguard for them 
because they were probably struggling in the area that he was about to talk about. Absolutely. And also, I just want to make this note, and I think this is really important. Guys, if the Bible repeats itself, pay attention. Yes. It's very important. Okay. Are you ready to hit up what this very important thing is? Yep. I can go ahead and read. I am so Uh, excited about this part. Verses two through six. Yeah. And of course she reads all that. Sorry, I I hate to do this to you guys because normally we do a verse or two at a time. But this is like in true Paul form, (laughs) a uh, run on sentence. And another sentence that like has to go with the first sentence. But the two sentences make up an entire paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) He was very excitable in the way he wrote. That's exactly right. Just kept on going. Lots of commas. <laughs> so does that mean I need to read all of this in one breath? Um, didn't they? Isn't it like if it's a comma, it's like a half breath, like a quick, like I'll I do don't my know. best. <laughs> I don't. I don't English good. <laughs> Me neither. So we'll just roll with it. Pretend like we know what we're talking about. We don't even speak English. We speak Appalachian. So <laughs> bear with us. <laughs> All right. Emily's like, Haha, speak for yourself, loser. I don't. I'm from the Midwest. That's right. So it says, beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Notice that it says beware three times. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself could boast as having confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he is confident, thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Yes. So much here. Holy cow. So much (laughs) here. Um. Okay, where do I even begin? So there are many devout Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, okay? In this mm-hmm. in this first century, in this context, there were. Um, and, and Messiah is the anointed one, right? So yep. the Jews were promised an anointed one, a Messiah, a Christ. But the Gentiles could not ex- – and when I say Jews, I'm talking about uh, Jewish converts, Jewish Christians. Right. So like – Jewish by nature converted to Christianity. But the Gentiles, they believed, could not accept or access Jesus without becoming a Jew first. And to become a Jew, you had to become circumcised. Snip, snip. And that's... (laughs) (laughs) I was great. Um, Yeah, so you had to be circumcised. And this is basically the whole idea of Jesus plus... And we do that today in Christianity as well, right? All the time. Um, it's a dangerous, dangerous road to go down because listen to what Paul said to those folks, right? Mm-hmm. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. That's him talking about them trying to circumcise people. Mm-hmm. For it is we who are the circumcision. What he's saying is Christians who come to faith in God through Christ, which is how you become a Christian, they are the new chosen people they take place they are the new israel the new covenant people okay so you have to believe in christ to go to heaven being jewish 
does not get you there. And that's what Paul's saying here. It's not enough to be a Jew. You mm-hmm. need to be a Christian, not the other way around. Um, yep. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who, yes, so that's two and three, yes. Um, yeah, that's what I got for that. What do you think? Yeah, the it's kind of interesting because he writes the very same thing to the Galatians. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're studying that in our church right now, um, and it's literally the same thing. It's Jesus plus something else. And you know one of the ones that, that I see all the time that's really, it seems really lighthearted and silly, but it just kind of actually drives me nuts, is when you see... <sighs> The female t-shirts that say Jesus plus coffee or Jesus plus wine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I know they mean nothing by it, but at the same time, like it's what you said. You look at how kind of harsh Paul was to these people that were adding something to Jesus. And we can lightheartedly say Jesus plus coffee, but there has to be a little piece of you in there that seriously means I need my coffee or I can't get through my day. Yeah. Like, ooh, don't go there. Yes. Because Jesus won't take kindly to it, and Paul sure didn't. Right. Um, I'm going to read something to you guys. It's a quote from the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, which is a fantastic tool that you need to get. And the reason I'm doing this is because he says at the very beginning of this passage, beware of the dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, when I hear that, let's be honest, when I hear that in the 21st century as an American woman living in southern Ohio <laughs> – Beware of the dogs. I think of like big scary dogs who are ready to like attack me. Mm-hmm. So when I read Beware of the Dogs, I'm thinking, oh, these people are trying to fight. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to be aggressive. And it's actually a little bit more than that because they're talking to first century <laughs> Jews. It's a whole and different culture with dogs. Yeah, yeah, and Gentiles. So, um, The Dictionary of Biblical Imagery says, although the phrase, a dog's life, epitomizes a life of ease, devoid of anxiety, in contemporary Western society, which is us, a dog's life in a biblical context shocks the reader with visions of squalor, dismal poverty, and the life of a pariah at the bottom of the social scale. Dogs are repeatedly depicted in terms of their disgusting and inadequate diet. Now, remember, these people did not go around treating their dogs like we do today. (laughs) Typically, they devour what is left over after humans are finished eating, and that is usually described as mere crumbs. One certainly does not give them quality fare. Consequently, dogs are never satisfied and are constantly on the lookout for nourishment. Since what they manage to scavenge is inadequate, they may consume what is repulsive or what is not fit for human consumption. Of all the domesticated animals, there is a particular revulsion for the dog who alone is willing to eat human corpses, a fact that is reprehensible to every human and exploited uniquely by the Book of Kings as a curse that comes upon wicked dynasts. Do you know who that is? Pop quiz. Jezebel? Jezebel. Jezebel. (laughs) A threatened psalmist mingles all these elements when he describes his enemies as those howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They roam about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. The metaphor applies appropriately to Israel's greedy leaders. They are dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. Hmm. So when he's saying look out for the dogs, um, we're actually, uh, there's a little bit more that we'll get into later, which I'm excited to dive into. But what he's saying is it's not about these guys who are like ready to attack and fight to be territorial, even though that is an element. Mm -hmm. It's more of, never have enough they keep coming they keep wanting more they're disgusting it's trash and that's just the way it is 
Yep. My dog can get this way. We call her Large March. <laughs> Large her name, in charge March. Her name is Rue, but we call her Large March because, <laughs> because she'll get into like anything. Like yeah. she loves food. And this is like American dog, humanized, not a poverty dog on the street. Like she is very spoiled and yet she still has that like instinct to just grab whatever food she can. Gets to the point where she would eat baby diapers. It's disgusting. Ew. But she, <laughs> she's 100 pounds. <laughs> I, yeah. It's so gross. But like I got such a – when you read that, I got such a visual of my own dog who will sit and whine and whine for food. Yeah. Even if she already has had her fill, like doesn't matter how much food she's eaten, she's going to try to get whatever she can because that's the dog's instinct be, to just eat. Yeah. But I think also like with talking about – you know, the attack as well, because these dogs back in ancient times were known for attacking people because they were, many of them hungry. were starving. They were hungry. Yeah. Um, when you put both of those images together and equate it to the religious leaders, it's kind of a vivid picture of <laughs> just how hmm, rough, rough they were. <laughs> do you see what you did there? Rough. 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 <laughs> That was unintentional. (laughs) Not intended. (laughs) Good, good catch. That was awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, Let's see. I had another another note on this too. Um, So it talks about the dogs, but then the other two descriptions that Paul gives to them is um, evil workers and Mm -hmm. the false circumcision. Um, And when it's talking about men who do evil. It's focusing on their work specifically. So these men were focused on their good works because they were religious leaders, which ironically Paul calls evil because their focus is wrongly pointed. So um, he was pointing out they're doing all these works. They were thinking they were these amazing people, but in reality what they were doing was evil because it wasn't pointing them towards Christ. Um, so what you're saying is intention does matter. Yes, it I really agree. does. Yep. I agree. And your intentions, the intentions of your heart will start looking more like God mm-hmm. the closer to God you get. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then the other part where it talks about them being the false circumcision, um, another translation, um, I was reading the ESV earlier, calls them the mutilators of the flesh because what they missed um, when they when they aren't paying attention to what Jesus did for them, then their circumcision was really nothing more than mutilation because they were... They were trying to see it as these righteous works. Um, but Paul's saying it means nothing if you don't have the right intention. So you're literally just mutilating yourselves. It's not it's not righteous. It doesn't get you any closer to God. So uh, that's that's kind of an important thing to look at when you're reading through what he's calling them. It's it's kind of hitting right at their character. <laughs> Absolutely. Um And something that D.A. Carson said was the Old Covenant scriptures do not establish eternal structures of religious observances that are capped by the coming of Jesus. Rather, they anticipate his coming. They look forward to his coming. They announce his coming, but it is his coming that is the ultimate hope. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fascinating because here um, these Judaizers are so focused on Old Covenant scriptures, on the Mm -hmm. old promises, on the old rules Um, of cleanliness and all of that and the whole reason for that stuff is to point to the coming messiah and it's almost like they missed the entire point yeah they did yeah 
focusing on uh, traditions. It's something I read. I didn't write it down, but I did read this. It talked about how when Paul is talking about himself in the kind of like the second part of that starts in what? Um, kind of like in the middle of verse four, if anyone else thinks mm. he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically like that sounds like he's being cocky, but what he's saying is like, I was like the most Jewish Jewy Jew out there. <laughs> That's what he's trying to say. And, Jewy Jew. Yeah. And uh, the thing about this is the first couple of things are, are not, it's nothing he did. It was just simply because his mom was Jewish and he was born that way. So it says, yeah. Um, circumcised the eighth day. Every Jewish boy was circumcised the eighth day. They were taken to the temple to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. Um, of the nation of Israel. Okay, you were born into that. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, you were born of a mother who belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. But then these are, so those are things that happened because he was born that way. The second part are things that happened because of what he did. A Hebrew mm-hmm. of Hebrews. And what that means is like, I was as Jewish as they got, bro. So listen to me. (laughs) It's like my frat guy talk. Um, As to the law of Pharisee, he was working to become a Pharisee. And when we talk about Pharisees today, it's often used in this negative connotation. But like, um, (laughs) yes, they were legalistic, but there was actually more to it than just the way that we use that term now. Like um, there were different things that he had to go through to become a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. Um, you had to be married. You had to uh, be trained. It was, it was like a high position within yeah. um, those Jewish sects. Um, as Tazil, a persecutor of the church, he chose to fight off people he thought was perverting his faith. Um, hmm. And in the process of doing that, he found out that he was the one who was perverting the faith and came to uh, clean yeah. reality, which is good. And as to righteousness, which is in the law, he's saying, I followed the law to a T. I was found blameless because I did exactly what the law said to earn my righteousness. So, like, I get mm-hmm. it, guys, but you're doing it wrong because that's not what that, that's not what it's about. We've, we've missed the point. Yeah. It's not about works. Mm-hmm. Actually, I had a note on that, too, because um, he's talking about, let's see, um, confidence in the flesh. He's confident uh-huh. in the flesh. Um, and uh, my one of my commentaries, I actually didn't write down which one it was. I believe it's the um, the American. I, I'll I'll note it later because I have it um, on one of my other notes. I know, I know. I just had so <laughs> many commentaries that I can't keep track. We're just so fancy in our libraries. <laughs> Surrounded by books, call us Bell because <laughs> the beast gave us libraries. No, I'm kidding. That was okay. terrible. I love my Super husband. Lame. He's the farthest thing from a beast. I'm just really lame and I have no life. <laughs> Same. So, um, but it talks about like the two, uh, it says the two logical categories of fleshly confidence and in kind of more human terms, it's just saying there's two different ways that we can put confidence in our flesh. And the first one is, it's exactly what you were just talking about. The first one is his heritage. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. And and in a way that we might say that is, you know, you ask someone, what's your faith? And they'll say, well, I grew up Catholic or I grew up Baptist, whatever. Right. Um, And you just assume that you still are because, well, my mom raised me that way. So that's my heritage. That's what I was. 
and you just assume that that's enough. Um, or the second one is achievement. So he was following the law. That's no different than if we say, well, I, you know, I serve in the kids ministry and I, I'm on the worship team and I do this and I do that and I do this. And you assume that that also makes you righteous and good enough. Um, those are the two ways that we often put our confidence in the flesh, specifically in Christianity. It goes right along with what you were saying. That is perfect example of that and how we do that today. That was really mm-hmm. good, Em. Thanks. <laughs> okay, guys. Um, Emily, what do you think about taking a commercial break? Let's do it. All right. So here is a message from our sponsors. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from our sponsors. We are able to continue podcast episodes like this because of our Patreon supporters, Jerry Lewis, Kelsey Graff, Soyan Barber, Julia Carter, Amy Mathis, Jill Walters, and Dave Hansel. If you like what you hear, would you consider becoming a partner of The Bold Movement? Our plans range from $5 a month to $50 a month with exciting incentives for growing Christian women. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash The Bold Movement. Now, back to the show. And we back. Emily, wouldn't you love to have your name read on our podcast? I think this every week, how amazing it would be to have my name read on the podcast. And all you have to do is subscribe to our Patreon at the lowest amount. You don't even have to pay a million dollars a month like Five some bucks. of our sponsors. <laughs> so many of them. <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is pay five bucks a month. I mean, what is that? Like less One, than a coffee? Coffee it doesn't is less even than. cost that cheap. Yeah. I, I got a coffee today. It was like five fifty for a grande. For five bucks a month. That's like <laughs> one gallon of gas. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got that. It's pocket change. Goodness. Yes. Go ahead. Check us out at patreon.com forward slash the bold movement. You get really cool incentives like phone backgrounds. You get your name announced in our podcast. And if you go to the upper levels, we'll even let you co-host this wonderful podcast with us. How fun would that be? I know you've all dreamed of it. It's what you think about every day. Every night as you're laying your head down. <laughs> ah, the bold movement. Can't wait to get that phone background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So <clears throat> let's jump right back in. Go for um, it. Do you want me to go ahead and read? Do it. Verses 7 through 11. So we're doing another big chunk here. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish. Here's our trash talk, friends. So that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I love this. This is like so theologically rich. And um, as you know, I'm a theology girl, so I am super excited to dive into this. I want you guys to notice He says, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. That's literally pointing to what he just talked about in the passage section, rather, right before this, where he was like, I found righteousness in the law. And he was like, 
psych right here. He's saying there is no righteousness derived from the mm-hmm. law by yourself, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And I just really wanted to point that out. I thought that was really important. Yeah, absolutely. This whole section is basically it's a, a before and after scene. It's Paul's yes. life before and after Christ, before when he had all these gains from works to after all of it is absolute trash means nothing to him everything is pointed to christ yeah i love that so megan i think i think we're ready for for the trash talk okay the the greek trash talk let's get greeky and geeky (laughs) okay so in verse eight it says rubbish and i've heard a lot of people try to break this uh word down um and yes this word in the Greek is equivalent to what we would, like, use as a cuss word. This is not telling you to go around cussing. This <laughs> just, I mean, if you want, but that's between you and God, bro. Like, don't be coming, <laughs> don't be coming at me for that, okay? Don't at me. So, um, basically, this is like a cuss word. And I think the reason he uses such strong language here is to really prove a point. Like, pay attention to me church in Philippi. This is really important. Mm -hmm. So the Greek word for rubbish um, is actually, technically, it's two words that are put together, um, which is kion, which is dog, and balo, which is throw. I think it's hilarious. The Greek word for throw is balo. (laughs) Balo. Throw the ball. Throwing your ball. Yep. For the dog. Anyway. Yes. And so um, to throw with the dog. It's rubbish. It's things you would give to the dog properly waste thrown to dogs like filthy scraps of garbage and i thought this was really interesting it said um that this is such filthy scraps of garbage that figuratively it's stuff that even dogs would refuse Hmm. it's what is good for nothing except to be this this uh discarded sorry or the uh uh oh my gosh (laughs) excrements of animals i don't know why that word i can't i can't english it <laughs> excrement excrement the turds of animals is what it is okay <laughs> and so what it's saying is it's so nasty this is like such trash yeah. that it's not even good enough for the dogs that's pretty trashy it's, it's so <laughs> trashy so trashy um and then lynn kohig you know our homegirl lynn Homegirl Lenny. Home, homegirl Lenny. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> I, I work you up, man. I get you there. So I'm right there with you. <clears throat> Paul, she says, Paul is not here describing how someone gets saved. I think that's interesting. Hmm. He's not, it's not a salvation thing. Nor is he contrasting Judaism as a works-based religion with Christianity as a faith-based religion. Even though it is. Paul explains in vivid colors and enticing detail the journey of the believer from their valley valley of suffering to the heights of glory in the resurrection. Mm. Paul admits in 3.12 that he has not attained such knowledge of Christ yet, but he is eager to drink deeply of the well of living water. That's like my heart. Yeah. So ready for eternity. So, and this is too good not to put in here. So I'm going to read a whole really big section because that's how I do it because I'm a parrot. Every time. <laughs> no, no, you you have this uncanny ability to do it very well, actually. Really? The, the parrot sound. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like 
to make it sound like my own. I was like, wow, thanks. Maybe I should quote smart people all the time. What? And now I've just insulted you. So. I want a cracker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. I felt too much pressure on that one. Anyway, this is really good. So I wanted to read it to you. Not only and, – and I really did read this stuff. I don't want you to think that I just, like, threw this together because I feel like I've quoted a lot. But this is really good. No. Sometimes you just – someone knows it better than we do. Well, Emily, that would be a great thing to say if it was sometimes. But <laughs> in it's my case – so good, though. Yes. Okay. Not only does Paul pay a vision of breathtaking devotion to know Christ – I love that. Mm-hmm. But he also draws a compelling portrait of Christ, who is referred to almost as frequently as Paul in this section. Christ is knowable. And this is important. Something that pagans could not declare with confidence about their mm. deities. Christ opens himself to a relationship with believers through his faithfulness and our response of faith. Christ invites believers to enter with him into his death, a gift that assures resurrection life and life abundantly now in the spirit. Christ demonstrates power over death by his resurrection. Christ shares his suffering with us as well, that we may share in his glory. That was Kohik. Then Carson said, listen, I'm just quoting everyone. (laughs) The implications are staggering. Christians should never be satisfied with yesterday's grace. That right there was enough for me to be like, I'm done. I just shut my computer. I'm done. That was so good. I can't. I'm done. That's the whole, like, the gospel is needed every day. Yes. Christians should never be satisfied with yesterday's grace. It is Mm -hmm. a shocking thing for Christians to have to admit that they have grown little in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. As Paul would later exhort Timothy, and this is in 1 Timothy, he says, We are to be diligent in the Christian responsibilities laid on us so that others may see our progress in both life and doctrine. Hmm. How easy is it to become complacent and to just go through the motions? I'm a Christian. I pray and don't even act like you're not guilty of it because I know I'm guilty of it and I know that we all do it. You say the same exact prayer. Lord, thank Mm -hmm. you for today. Thank you for everything (laughs) you've given me. Um, Bless this food I'm about to receive. May it nourish my body, despite the fact that it's a billion calories and has no <laughs> nutrients in it. Literally cardboard process crap. Um, yeah, Jesus name I pray. Oh, I love you so much. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same prayer. I'm not. Yeah. That's that's going through the motions. I don't mean any of that. Yep. You know. You've just memorized I, it. Yeah, and I think it's so important that. We have to admit it when we aren't growing. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Christ because I haven't spent time in script. Well, I shouldn't say anything, but like when we get that complacency, when we're not doing what we're supposed to, every single woman and man, but this is directed toward women, every single woman is called to ministry. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you need to stand behind a pulpit. That doesn't mean that you need to go teach in a Sunday school class. What it means is you have been called to a ministry whatever that ministry is, and it's time to wake up and get going because you and you alone will be held responsible for whether or not you fulfilled and carried out that ministry. When you face Jesus at the end of eternity, or at the beginning of eternity, rather, when you face him, you come face to face. Do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for focusing on me and doing what I told you to do in the shortest part of eternity. Or do you want to hear, I died for you. 
and I covered your sins because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. <laughs> I'm kidding. But who who wants to face Jesus? And listen, we do not get into heaven based on what we've done. Yeah. We get into heaven based on what he's done, mm-hmm. but we are still held accountable. Mm-hmm. For the accomplishments that we have here on earth. And if you are just sitting around waiting to die, shame on you. Yep. Dang, girl. <laughs> I'm serious. It. It's so it is, true, though. Women like have how, got to get up. How many times do you hear someone say, and I'm guilty of it, I've done it. You hear someone say, I just feel like I like God's not that close to me right now. I just feel like he's distant. Uh-huh. And inevitably, if you ask that woman, well, are you in the word? Are you spending time with the Lord? Nine times out of ten, she's going to say, nope, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. That's, that's exactly it. If you're not investing in the – it's like every other relationship. If you're not investing the time, there's no relationship there. You can't expect to just go to heaven and be like, yeah, we're close. If you don't spend any time, if you don't yeah. invest your relationship and don't with say, the Lord. I don't hear from God. Mm-hmm. Well, your Bible shut, dork. Open your Bible. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's how he talks to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think too often we rely on those emotional experiences that sometimes accompany God. Like, right? When when we're yeah. in those spiritual highs, you are going to have mm-hmm. emotions. And that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But don't confuse emotional experiences with the presence of God because right. those are not the same thing. God yep. is not an emotion. Right. And he's there when you feel lousy too. Yeah. Um, and it's time to, okay, wake up. It's time. It's time. Mm-hmm. And we are here to help you. If you have questions, if you don't know what your ministry is, if you know what your ministry is, but you don't know how to get started, email us, call us, Facebook us, Instagram, whatever. Let us help you. We want to help you. That's why we're here. Absolutely. What else you got? Um. Let's see. I I also had a quote. This one. Okay, so the New American Commentary. That's the one that I had used previously yeah. when I couldn't remember which one. New it's American blue Commentary. blue with red on it? Yep. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I don't know, Megan, whatever. <laughs> it, it totally. It is. Yeah. I use yeah, it on yeah, my yeah. computer, but yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was literally shopping for commentaries from uh, – Lagos, Logos, depending uh-huh. on what kind of Greek you speak, I guess. Anyway, I was shopping and I I had pulled a couple of the New American commentaries. That's why I was like, oh, it's blue and you it has that maroon it. stripe. Yeah, maroon. Yes, the maroon. That's the part yeah. of, that I can see. Okay, so here's what it says, though. It says, um, no one can choose Christ who does not reach a similarly negative conclusion about his own efforts. His heritage and achievements did not bring him any closer to Christ. It's impossible to hold on to former values and still have Christ. It was one or the other, and Christ exceeded anything and everything else. Mm-hmm. And that really goes with what you were just talking about. Like you can't expect to have a relationship with the Lord and still live the life you were living before you knew him. You can't mm-hmm. expect to grow closer and become sanctified, like become more like him if you're still waking up and going about your day and not actually sitting down and getting in the word. Yeah. It's you have to lay down all your own efforts, all the things that you think make you so great and realize your pride is sinful <laughs> and there's nothing you can do. There's absolutely nothing you can do 
And kind of with that, um, the last little note that I have, um, there's, there's two ways to try to come to God. There's only two ways. There's only one way that actually works, but there's two ways that we try. And the first one's by, by works. Um, and as a Christian, if you're trying to get to God through works, then you have to realize that the law sets the standard and will determine the success or the failure of your endeavor. And if you read one page of Leviticus, you're going to realize like you can't, you can't do it all. <laughs> there's just no way. Or if you're like the Pharisees and you think that you can, then um, well, you're prideful and now you have broken the law because you put your pride before the Lord. So Absolutely. works, it's impossible. You cannot meet the standard. And and God did that on purpose. He gave us the law on purpose for us to realize we can't meet that standard. We do need a savior. We will never be good enough. So the only other way that we can come to God is by grace. And mm-hmm. that's through Christ's life and death. That's the hope that we have. Um, and I have a quote again from the New American. It says, Grace frees us from self-effort to achieve salvation and enables us to devote ourselves to the things that follow salvation. So when we have God's grace, we're free from all the works we did before. And then at the same time, because we have that grace, we're free now to do those works out of freedom. Like there's no, there's no pressure to do enough. There's no pressure to have a certain standard. You just get to do it because you want to, because you're, you're free. You've been saved by Christ. And that's the only way that you're going to have salvation, have eternity with him. This, this resurrection life that Paul talks about that comes through the grace and acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And start where you are. Yeah. Start right where you are. If you are one of those, um, I have to earn my salvation through my works. Pause for the cause. Just say a prayer. Start right here, right now where you are. I am so, I am a works performance based kind of girl. Mm -hmm. And so that is something I have to remind myself over and over and over again. When I mess up, when I fail, I have to start right where I am. Stop. I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. Mm-hmm. My works. The, the question aren't... that comes into my head is, is why, why would you want to work your way? Why would you want to put all of that pressure on yourself to work your way when you know you're going to fail? Even if you're mm-hmm. doing human things, we know we fail. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we try to do the best at our job, whatever we're doing. We're going to, I mean, it, it talks about failure when you talk about like the, um, what is it? Um, Edison, who made the light bulb, he failed like however many hundred times before he actually created a perfect light bulb that worked. There's failure involved in that. So yeah, you can have achievement. But the whole point that I'm trying to say is we are by nature people that fail. And so when you're talking about your eternity, when you know you're going to fail, no matter how much you do, like... There is, there's no chance at achieving it 100%. Why would you want to keep working? It has to be exhausting, you know? Right. Like working with the mindset of, right. yes, I have to get this or my salvation. Because I right. do think works are important, but they yeah, are not right. the ultimate. Right. Exactly. It's the opposite way. It's you have right. that freedom of knowing, oh, I don't have to work. I don't have to do this to win or gain my salvation. I already have it. Now that I already have it, now I can do what I love to do, what God's called me to do, 
freely knowing that if I fail, it's okay. Like I keep going and I just do what God's called me to. And then your efforts and your works are a response exactly. to your gratitude. Yes. Um, there was a pastor who once said, it's like um, works-based faith is do your work and you'll receive a candy bar. Do your mm-hmm. homework, finish it, and I'll give you a candy bar. Um, grace-based works, being grateful for what you did, says here's a candy bar and because you're thankful for it, do your homework. Mm-hmm. And that's the way Christianity is. Here's yep. your salvation and because you're thankful for it, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. That's simple. Yep. Fantastic. Hey, ladies, The Bold Movement is a ministry that helps Christian women gain confidence in their biblical literacy, faith, and evangelism through customizable content strategically created to work with our community support to enhance and expand the kingdom of God. We'll be back next week, and we hope you join us. This is just a quick reminder that you can partner with us through our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash The Bold Movement. All right, ladies, until next time, go out and be bold.